Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fez Buddy and Killing Bird. Hey everybody, welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm Killing Bird, here with Ron Fez. Buddy, as always, how are you doing today, man? There's no poker, so I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a good time. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Um, there is poker. I've been playing on Merge. What about you, buddy? Yeah, I've been playing as well. I, uh, I finally was able to get some money onto Carbon Poker, and uh, I've already doubled my bankroll there, so I, lo- I love me some Carbon Poker. <laughs> Still on the hot streak, huh? Well, I still got a long way to come back from my last downswing, yeah, so yeah, not getting too excited yet. But I'm just happy to be playing. I mean, I'm I, I only deposited a little bit of money, so I'm just kind of uh, playing pretty small, just trying to build up a role, and um, you know, until I hear. I'm actually hearing some positive stories about cash outs and stuff, but I'm I'm not going to get too crazy with uh, with building up a huge amount of money on there until I know I can get it off. Right. Yeah. I um I I don't know if you saw my tweet the other night, but I got up to eight tables. The other night across, wow. uh, yeah, across Merge, Bowdog, and Cake. That's um, right, because you're playing on all three sites. I'm only playing on the one. Playing so. on all three. Um, I've had money on both. I don't know what both. Actually, I do know what Bowdog depositing is like because I was talking to someone. Um, a lot of people say they're they're not having any problem getting it on Bowdog, but they also have like a buy a phone card link and then just put in your phone card number. Ah, uh, and so that seems to work for people. Um, but I had money from. I I got my my first big. So, kind of have a little soft spot in my heart for the dog. Yeah. Um, uh, but I don't have a lot. I have like 200 bucks on there, so I have to be very careful um, about, you know, what I'm playing. Um, and then I have a couple hundred bucks on cake. I've had that for a while. Um, and I also, I put a couple hundred bucks on players only, which is a merge skin. I couldn't get my money on carbon. And rather than just like wait and try to figure it out, like a lot of people did, I just tried another skin players only and I was able to get it on there. But players only is no longer taking new, new U S residents. Um, so I think carbon is the only way to go or one of the, or lock poker, I think might be the other, the other one. Right. So yeah, so across, uh, Across three sites, I was eight tabling. Um, I've actually been doing pretty. I double. I doubled my bankroll too, which is cool. Um, it's, I, I I I find the sites pretty soft. I don't know about you. Um, yeah, I kind of. I was talking about this with a couple of our members the other night in the chat room, and we were saying how we kind of thought it might actually be kind of tough because the the people playing there could be made up a lot of people who've are serious enough about online poker, they've gone through the trouble to find a new site to play on and to get the money on the site. Uh, but if that's the case, then apparently they're not very good because <laughs> the, the play is very soft. Of course, I'm also playing even lower stakes than I played before. So Yeah, I think that's part of it too. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm a little confused by by it because I, I thought I thought the same thing, but I do find the play to be pretty soft. And it was if you jumped in right after Black Friday because I, I deposited like on the 18th on on players only and uh, and I, I had my money on Bodog and and, and, and Cake. Um, I I think it's getting a little little tougher um, now. I think people are you know the better players are starting to come over, but um, still very soft. At first, it was really super simple. Yeah. What I do like though is that they do have a. Merge does have a nightly PLO tournament, 
which is fun. I mean, it does, it gets like, you know, 70 runners, 75 runners, but I did, I final tabled it twice already and I took second in it, like the first time I played it <laughs> after, nice. after, um, doing, uh, recording that video with Halo Wax. Um, God, it's, he's brilliant at PLO and it really helped me understand the game. So, so, you know, the, We'll get in. We should we should talk a little bit here about you know and, and talk to the pros about the the structures and what kind of game selections offered. But uh, but you know it's not it's not stars. It's not full tilt. But if you got to get your degen fix, um, there is an outlet. And I, yep. I've been playing a couple nights a week, not as much as I was before, but definitely getting to play. Um, and I think the biggest question for a lot of people is, well, what's cash outs going to be like? Um, have you heard right. much about that? Uh, you know, I've just I've kind of been scouring the forums a little bit and stuff to see, and and I've heard from some people who have, well, like I, I know I saw one the other day that said, okay, I just I just got a check from, I think it was players only actually, uh, and they said now let's see if it clears, you know. So I think we're we're gonna find out here pretty soon, I think, because you'll, you'll, enough time has passed that that people have started cashing out and have had enough time for their banks to clear the checks and stuff. But, yeah, I, I think the general consensus is that first off. The, the sites have to grow a lot bigger before the DOJ goes after them. Right. And the sites should be rationally avoiding uh, the same practices that Stars and Full Tilt took and AP took to process transactions cheaper than they could have done without hassle. So, for, I mean, yeah. the general consensus is that, you know, Stars and Full Tilt. They did some things that helped them get things done cheaper. Um, and if they had stayed away from those things, it would have been a lot harder to do anything to them. There would have been a lot lot less of a flagrant um, breaking of the law. So if they do that, um, it should be, you know, at least for a while it should be okay. And I have a friend who actually got his money from Emerge Skin and, and, and took money out and cashed it in at work. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, look, I think the bottom line is don't put money in that is really serious to you, right? If you right. had your stars roll back, I wouldn't just go dump it all in merge. I would take this opportunity to put a little bit in and sort of give yourself a bankroll challenge. That's kind of what I'm doing, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, pretty much what I did as well. I think well, I put I put about 10% into carbon as what I had yeah. on, all, on all the sites before. I was so. just going to say that. I, I was actually just about to say that. Yeah, I think I have about I, – I think I, I – think, actually, I think I have about – Five percent of my previous role, yeah, um, even less than that maybe. And I'm trying, you know, I'm I'm trying to, to build it. I'm being a little less cautious with my bankroll management. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm not following, you know, 200 average buy-ins. Um, and you know, it's kind of tricky because I have, you know, 200 on one side, 400 on another side, 300 on another side, or whatever, and. Theoretically, I would say, well, my total bankroll is whatever, over a thousand dollars, or I think it's slightly under, slightly over a thousand dollars. So theoretically, oh, I should be playing a five dollar average buy-in, but mm. but you know, it's not easy to move money across sites, right? So right. you know, if you go bust them on, on Bodog, it's not like I'm going to get someone to transfer to me money on Bodog. So I'm not sure if those rules apply yet. I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty sure those rules don't apply. You probably should be keeping each each site as a separate role for bankroll management purposes. Right. And we'll see what the pros have to say about that. But my gut says that's what you probably should do because it's not easy to do a, a transfer. Um, but you also have to realistically think 
is what's on there your actual role. So if that $200, if I bust that $200 on Bodog, be honest with you, I'm going to put another $200 on there. <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> it's not my, it's not the end of my role. It's different when, you know, I have a couple thousand dollars in stars and, you know, you know, you need two thousand, you know, you need a couple thousand dollars to play, to be staked, you know, to play tournaments of a, of a certain size. But, but when you're playing with a couple hundred bucks, um, you know, I like poker enough that I'm probably going to redeposit. So I'm, I'm, I've been playing the ten, twelve dollars on Bodog, um, even though my role is about between anywhere between two and three hundred dollars, which I know is not. It's like you know, catastrophic bankroll management. But the games are soft enough um, where, and, and I'm and I can deposit more where I'm just like whatever. I'm, I'm it's I feel halfway th- between a re- recreational and a professional um, right now where I'm willing to recreationally put more money in on a Friday night or something and just load up a bunch of tournaments just because I want to and, you know, it doesn't affect my life all that much. Yeah, I think you're right. As long as you're, as long as you know you're willing to put more money on and there's no use, there's no reason you can't play a little bit above your normal bankroll requirements. I guess the question you have to ask yourself is, you might be willing to put the money on, but is, are you going to be able to get the money on? <laughs> yeah. You know, right. Because um, yeah, I talked to people who said, oh yeah, you know, I, I signed up for such and such poker room and I used my Visa card and boom, I had the money. It was no problem. Yeah. And then, when I tried to sign up for Carbon and for Lock, I tried every credit card in my possession, and none of them worked. So yeah, it's really diff- it's really hard to say. It depends on the bank. It depends on their methods. Um, Jesus Christ, can't we just get legalized, regulated poker? Yeah, no kidding, right? Do Do we really need to go through this? Do Do you and I really need to to, to go through this to play some friggin' poker? <laughs> F. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, I it's mean, a little frustrating. Uh, uh, there are some bright spots. So I, I rem- on Black Friday, I remember talking to one of our buddies, um, Tomic. You know Tomic. Yep. Um, and my, my prediction was six, within six months, regu- um, some sort of legislation, close progress to re- re- legislation, and within two years, poker again. And – you know, that was a gut feeling just because I feel like there's too much money on the table mm-hmm. um, and there's too many big interests that can profit from this. And then as time went on, I said, OK, that was a little um, probably a little optimistic because as we learn more about how these things went about and looked at the reality of politically, you know, what are are we going to get a lot of Congress people to to really vote for poker right because it's you know it's everything to us but does it really matter to a congressman who could be afraid um you know that they're in in, in an upcoming election year where you see an ad you know who wants an ad saying john smith wants your kids to wants to lose your house or something you know what i mean right like you know that's that's the problem it's a toxic (laughs) issue it's everything to us we know it's a skill game it's important to us but to the average person doesn't mean a lot and it's it's actually you know it's it's a it's a it's a net negative to vote for it for a lot of Congress people. So right. at first I thought, all right, all right, well, I'm probably being a little too optimistic, but I just felt like in my gut, there's you know, is so much money to be made, and and we had so much progress in the the months leading up to Black Friday, with you know the states, if you know if the people people who don't follow that, there was a lot of progress at the state level, um, you know, California was 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 putting a lot of activity around interstate. Um, California poker. New Jersey was putting a lot of activity around interstate New Jersey poker. The bill got rejected by the governor, but 
still it made it all the way to the governor, so there was there was progress there. The District of Columbia um, actually passed in you know in, intra district inter district poker, which you know it's a small district, so I don't know how big the games would be, but you know they passed that, and then Nevada started talking about well we're gonna license companies in Nevada to serve the whole world. And, and and so there's so much progress being made at that front. And then, you know, you started to feel the casinos were starting to partner with PokerStars and Full Tilt. So I just felt like there was so much progress pre-Black Friday. Um, there's too much money on the table, and it just smelled too much to me like, well, this gets the competitors out of the way. So let's, you know, not to put the tinfoil hat on, but let's, you know, casinos, could the casinos have had anything better happen for them? Right, it's a good point. You know, I mean, like, if a casino wants, you know, the American casinos want to get legalized American U.S. poker, uh, well, what would be better than getting rid of stars at Full Tilt and AP, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. you know, you crush your competition from the beginning. So so I just felt like, you know, when Black Friday happened, it sucked, but I just kind of in my heart of hearts felt, well, there's – something's going to happen. But then as time went on, I started to feel a little less optimistic. Um, just because I'm thinking about the toxicity of poker legislation, um, nothing had happened much. You know, you know, we, we, we haven't really seen a ton of progress, but this week I think we're starting to see some progress. So um, the AGA, are you familiar with them? Uh, only from the article that you linked me to. Okay, so I tweeted this. Um, I, don't th- I think I tweeted this yesterday. Um, if not, I'll tweet it when we get off the, the, the podcast. Um the AGA is the, I think it's the American Gaming Association or Gambling Association. Um, they are the lobby organization for the casinos. They are the, you know, they are they are the the, the political arm of the casinos, uh, and they have quite a bit of influence. They're American Gaming Organization, so they announced that they were going to be in Washington this week, pushing online poker. And promoting and, and going out to lobbying for online poker. This is not the PPA. The PPA, uh, you know, I think they have their hearts in the right place. I think they've done a lot for the poker players, but these guys represent the, the industry where the right. bucks are represented, um, and they're out there selling uh, online poker. And Gary Loveman did an editorial, I think, in Business Week selling online poker. Gary Loveman is the CEO of Harris. I mean, you know, this is the this is this is the movement we need to see. And then just last night, um, the AGA put out their white paper on legislating. Um, they call it online gambling five years after the UIGEA. And it's a white paper released to the government and to lawmakers on what what their recommendation is, what, what this current situation is and what their recommendation is for legislation. And it is a very well written very detailed outline of where online poker is today and what the opportunities are for America in online poker and their recommendation on how to go about um, taking advantage of that and creating legislation around it. And I'll give you a quick summary here. Um, so basically they summarize, you know, what happened with the DOJ and the, U, you know, first of all, the UIGA and, and what the situation has been like in the last five years. And, you know, remember this is the, American Gambling Association, so this is the casinos, you know, not painting the best picture of stars in full tilt, you know, just kind of, you know, putting it out there. These guys were, you know, skirting laws, and but people love poker is basically the, the bottom line is, you know, with all the complications, this this grew into a $30 billion industry, 
Yeah. And Americans continue to play poker even today. So they even talk about, you know, the mergers and the bow dogs and the cakes. Um, there are other sites and they talk, they actually reference pokerscout.com, which does the, um, you know, traffic, uh, uh, it, it tracks the traffic on sites, right. and they talk about the increase. I think Merge is up 29%, O-Dog 19%, within a range of 17 to 29%, I think, each of the sites. Um, so it's a very well-informed report. And talking about, you know, it, it's it's not stopping. Um, people want to play poker. Um, secondly, they talk about, and I think this is really one of the, the key um, pieces of what they've written is they talk about the tools that have been developed to regulate online gambling, you know, and protect the values, you know, that, that, that we want to make sure are protected if we have legalized, regulated online gambling, um, excluding underage gamblers, protecting the integrity of the game from, you know, from cheating, from, you know, ultimate bet scandals in the future, um, making sure that, you know, if online gaming is prohibited somewhere, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it, it can't be, spread there, um, barring money laundering, um, and then providing tools for problem gamblers to control their own gambling. Um, and they, they spend a lot of time in this white paper on, on what's available already and how they could be distributed effectively across right. the land. Um, and then they talk about the, you know, what kind of boost to the economy that a regulated online poker industry would provide, um, how it protects consumers better than what's available today how it grows jobs, and it means new tax revenues. So this report came out at 2.30 last night, a.m., and I was I was just going to bed. Um, I'm a night owl, and I decided to read it, and so I was up till 3.30, and I did some cliff notes uh, of it on 2 plus 2. Um, the only – there's two things that, um, that I think are of interest, though, in terms of how, how this would play out. Um, first off, I can't tell from the language if it's an opt-in or an opt-out for the individual states, um, and that's uh, the right. point. So are you familiar with opt-in, opt-out sort of? You know, yes, option? unfortunately, because I live in the South, so it's, it means something to me. <laughs> right. So, you know, there have been varying versions of potential regulation, um, and so uh, each version has had differences in whether if it's a federal bill – well, that means, you know, what, what they're going to leave it to the states whether or not they want to be part of this. But yeah. the key difference is do states have to opt into the bill, into the regulations, or do they have to opt out? And that means a lot because doing either one of those things requires a lot of effort at the state level. So mm. whatever the default is is what most states will be. So if the default is that they have to opt out, that means that, that they're in. You know, and they have to go through the process of opting out voting, bringing it to legislators, legislation, you know, actually proving that. You know, I mean, I'm sure in some states it's going to be a pretty slam dunk that they're going to opt out, you know, where they have the fear of God that poker is going to ruin everyone's lives. But for most states, it's a big revenue boost here, and it's not going to be the easiest thing in the world to opt out. So if, if, if they have to opt out, then most states will have online poker. Right. If they have to opt in – you face a similar challenge in proving that it's a good thing. So, you know, inertia rules and whatever is written into the laws. Um, I, so I can't tell if they're right, if, if they're looking, pushing opt-in or opt-out. The, the language is a little ambiguous, and in one place of it, it says that it, it feels like they have to opt-in, and the other place it feels like they have to opt-out. So I can't really tell. Gotcha. Sure, more clarity will come over the time. Time. Yeah. Time to come. But next, the other 
key component, I think, here that that is important is that they are, from the language, pretty clearly limiting it, limiting it to U.S. only player base. I don't know if you know uh, about that or not. Um, It looks like they're limiting it to a U.S.-only player base. And so it says here, any overseas operators who are already serving large numbers of online poker players would have a substantial liquidity advantage if they can combine new American customers with their existing pool of players. So they're basically saying that it's going to be hard to compete for the new, you know, Harris and MGM and Wynn and whatever with poker. Not even necessarily PokerStars because PokerStars, you know, they're probably going to write it in that PokerStars and Full Tilt can't can't get a license because of their, you know, their, their evasive actions. But right. Party Poker or, you know, B-Win or whatever, I think, actually, I think those guys merged. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're basically saying that those sites can't come in and bring um, their merged pools because it just gives them too much of an advantage. It says here, the increased liquidity would allow them to offer much more attractive range of games and tournaments in the early months following legalization. To avoid that unfair advantage, both France and Italy have barred their licensees from pooling customers from within their countries with foreign customers. The United States would be well advised to follow that model. So they're basically, for first of all, France and Italy, I don't know if they really did that to, um, I mean, I guess maybe, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if they did it for the specific reasons that this report is kind of purporting, but... Right. But, you know, they're basically saying, let's follow that model, let's leave it in the U.S., and... You know, first of all, I'll take it, right? Whatever. I mean, it's it. You know, at first glance, well, you want the big, you know, you want you want the status, what what used to be there, right? But you know, I've been some people chimed into two, on the two plus two thread about this and explored some pretty good points. Um, a U.S. only pool actually might be not so bad for good players. Uh, you get rid of all the, the Europeans are progressing, you know, the South Americans are progressing, the Australians, the New Zealand, you know, wherever poker is available is, you know, those people are getting better and better. Um, and the, while it, if this becomes legal, then it's harris.com or worldseriesofpoker.com that you're playing at, the pro, the, the player pool is going to be huge. It's going to be huge. Yeah. And, and for every one you know, form U.S. player that has had, you know, who's, who's sophisticated and has skills, you're probably going to get four or five who never would have deposited because they didn't trust PokerStars of Full Tilt. Yeah. So I actually think it's kind of a a moot point um, and not that big of a deal that they block out, you know, that they block out the rest of the world. And probably over time, they'll probably, you know, as as they become more competitive, they'll probably allow the rest of the world in because it's more revenue for them, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if, if Full Tilt... You know, two years ago, had said, "Okay, we're changing our policy so that only U.S. players can play against U.S. players." But nothing had changed on the legal landscape. That would be b- bad. Right. But if it's if you can only play against U.S. players, but it's completely legitimized and opened up, and and every poker player in Middle America knows that they can get online and play and easily cash out and easily deposit. Right. Then I don't think it's that big of a deal because it's going to bring in so many. Right, bad players. A- absolutely, yeah. ab- absolutely, and to that effect, a couple of Europeans chimed in the thread and saying they were jealous. <laughs> yeah, jealous, and they were like, "Wow, we actually, we're actually jealous." You know, you guys are are in, are, are in great shape if that's the case. So, um, so you know, I think there's still a lot to be determined there. Um, but the last piece of the puzzle here that I want to I want to bring up is that um, there, you know, not only did they go to 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 are they in Washington this week and they're actively pushing legislation, but um, Joe Barton, who is a, 
Republican representative from Texas. He's a, a Tea Party representative. He's putting together a bill that he expects to introduce in the next two weeks, wow. which is huge. Because yeah. think what you will of the Tea Party. They have power right now. You know, they're, they're growing power. And they are – an introduction of a poker bill from a Republican senator from t- the South – Right is a gigantic, gigantic thing. Positive right step for us. And uh, if you go to this guy's site, or you know, I've, I've seen a video of him talking about poker. Guy loves to play poker. He says, "What the hell? People want to play poker." And you know, and he's—I he, think he's—he's he's representing the the, 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 you know, the ideal, the, the ideals of the Tea Party, where you know, freedom and you know, you know, once again, think what you may. We're not a political show, so whatever, whatever your opinion is on the Tea Party, um, but the ideals that they they propose in terms of the freedom of people to do what they want um, are represented well in this bill. And I think right. that people, you know, I think they can position that um, to, to the benefit, our benefit. Um, and coming from that side of the house is a huge deal. It's not, you know, Barney Frank, you know, trying to get this through, you know, the moral majority. It's, it's, it's someone on the, on the other side who has traditionally been against poker bringing this up. Yeah. yeah, and I don't care where the bill comes from, if it's Republican, Independent, or Democrat. I don't care who introduces it yeah, <laughs> as long well, as it happens. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I don't care what, based for the end result, but I do care because I think where it comes from gives it a better chance to right to yeah, pass. And, you know, this gives it a better chance to pass. We don't have to convince these guys; they're in. You know. Yeah. So, um, so a lot of lot of positive momentum in the past week. So I'm an optimist um, to a fault. I think sometimes. I'm going to be optimistic here. I'm going to hopefully, um, you know, hopefully we see something. I, when 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 I when I talked to our buddy Tomic um, right after, and I said I believe six months and two years, he thought I was crazy and he wanted to make a bet. And I was trying to get five to one odds um, from him, <laughs> and he probably would have gone to three to one. Um, and I think, you know, quite honestly, I think five to one was actually not good enough. Um, there's there are a lot of hurdles. I think I was being optimistic, but. You know, I think I'll take five to one today. I think it's yeah. looking better. So, um, certainly sounds like it. Yeah. So that's how it's affecting us. That's the situation today. Um, and that's uh, that's, yeah. that's that's the you know bringing you up to date. I know this this podcast lives for a little while, so hopefully, you know, maybe some of you download this a week or two from from our recording, and there's significant progress. Um, right. For those recording, re- downloading it now, that's where we are today on the thirteenth. Yeah, and we've uh, we've obviously had a lot of questions from Tournament Poker Edge members about what this all means for the site and things like that. Um, obviously, we've you know we've posted in the forums and stuff to let people know that nothing has changed for Tournament Poker Edge, other than that the owners of the company aren't as happy at 2 a.m. on a Wednesday night because they can't play poker. Yeah. But uh, you know we're moving forward relatively business as usual. I mean, obviously it's 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 not great news and it's provides certain challenges, but we're going to continue to provide content at the same pace we have and the same quality we have. Uh, we're going to continue to, to bring on the best pros we can to make videos and, and provide content. And uh, we're just going to keep rolling forward. I mean, I think a lot of our members have already started to kind of transition over to, you know, playing more live tournaments. And, uh, and many people now are, are kind of coming back two, three weeks later now and saying, well, I, I had kind of given up, but then I saw everybody was playing on Carbon and Bodog and stuff, so I made a little deposit and I made my first final table last night. And So, uh, you know, I think that it was a, there was a, a sort of a 
two-week cloud that hung over everybody, but now I think everybody's kind of seeing the sunlight and they're yeah. coming through and, and they're starting to play again and the chat room's starting to fill up and and we're starting to see more sweat threads and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, I was I've been very pleasantly surprised as to the level of cancels that we've seen. Um, you know, on the site. I mean, we expected people, you know, people to cancel if they couldn't play, uh, but it's been way less than I think we expected it to be. Um, yeah. You know, I think for the reasons that that you've you've said, you know, just a lot of people are are hey, I'm going to study, I'm gonna, you know, it's my downtime. It's not that expensive, right? I mean, it's not like we're asking, for, you know, it's not like it's a ton, it's a ton of money. Uh, you can still play live, you can still deposit on on Bulldog and Merge, uh, and Cake, and you know, people aren't necessarily leaving um, that quickly. So that's great, and we appreciate the support from the community. Um, we're going to keep as as you know, as Derek has said, we're going to keep moving forward. Um, we're going to introduce some more live type of content. For, especially as the World Series comes upon us, um, we're going to put some theory videos out on live play and talk about um, some live hands and put some put some uh, some videos together on that. So look for that. Um, and we'll also be introducing some pros from you know other parts of the country, other parts of the world. I, I w- that was part of our plan anyway, and just it makes it even more meaningful. So if those of you who are you know from you know South America or the UK or whatever, um, you'll probably see some pros that are from your part of the world um, just because, you know, they can it's easier for them to play on the, on the bigger sites. Um, but our own pros, we haven't really had a problem making videos. Uh, uh, you know, we we have, we released um, – Cougars did a Bowdog series. Uh, Hagbard Celine is going to be doing a lock – I'm sorry, merge slash cake series coming up soon. KC and T-Twist are in Canada, so we don't have to worry about that. Ween is – we're going to go back and do some more. Um, he has some hand history review from his 750K final table recently, and he's going to be doing some of those uh, Sunday Million. We're going to do together the Sunday Million table review. And I think that's a kind of his best videos anyway. He's 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 great and fine live, but I think he really excels at hand history reviews and, um, and that commentary that we do. Um, so, yeah, those are great. Yeah, it doesn't really... Um, hit him that that hard, and then hit the panda is in Panama right now, um, getting ready to play scoop because he's mobile, he's young, he can move around a little bit more than a lot of the other guys. So we're gonna get live sweats from him. So, uh, you know, all in all, from the, the you know the TPE, you know, original pros, uh, not much of a difference there, and we're just gonna be supplementing a lot with with, with guests and and whatnot over the yeah, or months or or years or whatever it takes until there's regulated online poker in the U.S. Yep. So business as usual at Tournament Poker Edge. So. Correct. Cool. Um, well, speaking of which, we're going to bring in a few of the pros here uh, in a minute to talk about what they're doing now post-Black Friday. Right. And uh, just kind of sort of get a status report for them, uh, from them. And, uh, and we'll talk about some of these things a little bit further with those guys. So we'll take a break, and we will be back here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Tears. This is Casey Big Dog Pocket Fives Jarzebeck from TournamentPokerEdge.com. If you've been looking for a training site dedicated exclusively to tournament poker, then look no further. Tournament Poker Edge is only $23.95 per month with no initial sign-up fee and we post a new training video every weekday. You also find poker-related articles, blogs, and very active strategy forums. We even offer you the ability to upload your own video for others to discuss. So head on over to TournamentPokerEdge.com and find out why it's quickly becoming the destination for tournament poker players looking to take their game to the next level. 
TournamentPokerEdge.com. All right, welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Please welcome to the show, Ween and Hagbard Celine. What's up, guys? Hello, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I know you guys are very busy, probably getting your grind on over there. Probably got a huge session to play. <laughs> Get ready for scoop. I haven't left the house in a month. <laughs> That's What's not true. You, you go to Chester. <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, I've been playing a lot of live. Yeah, I know. Um, I know. I've seen from following you on Twitter and stuff that you've been you've been going over and and playing at Harris Chester. So you're playing pretty much cash over there, then, Ween? Yeah, um, I'm trying to be honest with myself and start out, uh, you know, relatively low since I haven't played a lot of cash. You know, mostly a tournament player. Uh, been trying one two to like pick up reads, but I can't win at one two. But when I like decide that I want to play two five or five five ten, I've had one losing session out of like fifteen. <laughs> That's funny. Do you think it's because you're just having a hard time caring about a two hundred dollar stack at one two or whatever it is? No, no. I've been taking it. I've been sitting there trying to be as serious as possible. Um, you know, because like I said, I just don't have that much experience with cash being 100 big blinds deep. So I've been trying to take it very seriously, but it just seems like uh, I get on the wrong end of coolers or whatnot in 1-2, whereas... Yeah. I mean, your sample size can't be big enough for that to mean too much. Yeah, it's definitely just like, you know, obviously variance in my favor at this at this point, but it's just been funny that... My, like, one-two stats, I'm, like, down probably, like, $700, but at 25 I'm probably up, like, seven or eight grand. Yeah. That should have happened I'm sure earlier. I'm sure around. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, how, how, how are you finding the games? Are they, are they as soft as you thought, or? I mean, it really depends. Sometimes I'll sit at 2-5, and... Ryan Bluff and some other regular will be there, and it won't be the easiest game uh, really at all. And there'll be other internet kids that you can just tell um, are pretty decent. But really depends on what time in the day you go and, and all that right. stuff. I think that really affects the quality of players you're going to get. Yeah, that makes sense. Charlie, what have uh, what have you been up to since since Black Friday? Um, not Not that much, honestly. I got... I got pretty down for a couple weeks, like probably a few days after the dust kind of settled and it became pretty clear that, um, you know, that we weren't going to be playing online poker on stars and full tilt for a pretty long time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the past couple weeks I've sort of been co- coming, you know, coming to terms with it and just, um, been grinding on uh, Merge and Broadway Tables. Um, and also, there are, I live in Burlington, Vermont, and there's actually a, um, a pretty good little poker community here. There's a, there's a game that goes off just about every night. Um, most of them are small. They're just one, two games. But there's a 2-5 game and a 5-5 five, five game as well. So I've been playing those. Um, how, are you finding, cool. how are you finding Merge so far? Oh, well, I mean, Merge is unbelievably soft. 
Uh, so is Broadway Tables. Uh, it's almost like it's kind of like stepping back in time. Yeah. Uh, like right, my, with, with bankrolls and the play and, and like, the tourney selection, doesn't it feel like 2006 a little bit? <laughs> yeah. It <does. laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to go play a couple $3 tournaments and my bankroll is $400. And everyone sucks. <laughs> 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 like, oh, okay. It's like two, are, when, I go to, when I go to Delaware Park, um, which is the casino in, uh, in Wilmington or close to Wilmington, um, it feels like I step into a cash game from, like, 2006. <laughs> Like, just, like, the way that people play their hands and whatnot, like, it's just incredible. It You'll see, like, an, uh, some guy, he'll, like, blinds will be 2-5, he'll open to, you know, 15 when he's got a hand, like a seated connector, or, like, a little pocket pair that he, like, wants to see a flop with, but, like, can't help himself, like, but have to raise, but then he'll have something like two aces, and he'll make it, like, 80 pre-flop. <laughs> and then he'll be like two aces and he'll like show and I'll be like hmm you on to something <laughs> I also decided that since I'm unemployed now I decided to get engaged hey, hey congratulations congratulations I figured, always make decisions under duress you should <laughs> I figured I might as well lock that up now <laughs> yeah good point don't let that one get away yeah so that's basically what's been going on with me. So obviously we're, you know, we're all heading to Vegas for the World Series here pretty soon. So we, we're kind of not in a huge rush to necessarily figure out what's next for any of us as far as poker goes. But have you guys given any thought to what you're going to do long term? Like, you know, say online poker doesn't come back in any serious way in the next year or year and a half. Uh, do you, have you figured out what you're going to do or are you just going to wait and kind of feel it out? It's- it's kind of funny. I was telling this to Diego not too long ago. Like it happened at the worst time. It's far enough away from the World Series where I I can feel that I'm doing very little. I'm like I feel very lazy, but it's not far enough away that I could really go out and find a job. Right. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Uh, but no, I'm just kind of I'm holding off until the World Series is so big that you know anything can happen and my situation could change dramatically. So I'm, I'm trying not to think too deeply about what I'm going to do, but you know, if I, if I am at where I am now, when I get back, I'm just going to, you know, look for a job and maybe consider going back to school. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in, uh, interviews with, uh, a financial group, uh, figuring out if that's something I want to pursue doing investing um, I mean, everyone that I've talked to has basically said, oh, I will probably look for a job or I'll probably study abroad. I mean, move abroad in order to play. But everyone is still banking on the World Series. They're like, well, if I hit a big score, I don't know right. what I'll do. <laughs> right. It and there are enough bracelets to go around. So <laughs> yeah, Basically, if you don't win one of the 60 bracelets, like, unless you're one of the lucky ones to win one of the 60 bracelets or whatever there are, you're getting a job starting August 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Let's look, let's look at the horizon. You guys weren't on the first segment, but I talked about um, some positive momentum towards regulation. I don't know if you guys have seen the American Gambling Association is lobbying in Washington this week. Um, so, yeah. And they just released a report last night at 2 a.m. Uh, on their recommendations for 
legalizing online poker, which seemed very well presented, very well put. The best best case I've seen, better than the bills I've seen from, you know, Reed or Barney Frank or anything along those lines. It's the best case uh, put forward, I think. And Representative Joe Barton from Texas, who is a Tea Party candidate, is introducing a bill in two weeks, apparently, um, which, you know, there's still a lot of work to do and there's nothing is certain. But I think it's some of the best momentum that we've seen since since the, the whole Black Friday thing. And it gives us a little bit of hope. Um, let's look at the horizons. If poker comes back in if you knew poker was coming back in a year, what would that what would you say? What, what would you do? If like something happened in the next month before you got the next job, are you going to hold out? Are you going to, you know, still get a job in the meantime? And what, what are you guys thinking? If, as far as if it was something where it was only a short term thing where, you know, we knew when the timeline was, I could probably see myself uh, grinding cash live for the year. Right. Just to like, I mean, obviously it's not something I like to do. I'm not really happy doing it, but it is a new, uh, it's a new challenge. It's not something I'm used to, so it could be exciting for a year, and then I would hop back into it, I think. But if it's something like, you know, where it's still open-ended after right. the World Series, I'm not going to stick around. Right. Um, I mean, for me, one thing that this, that uh, Black Friday really you know, really uh, struck me with was the fact that I haven't given myself uh, a wide variety of options outside of poker. So I think, I think even if it were a year uh, on the horizon, I would still probably look at going back to school and um, make that my top priority of, of having like a solid backup plan for when poker does come back around. I would, I would start playing poker again and I would continue playing in the meantime but um, but I still I think I would still uh, look to go back to school and um, and just get uh, get a degree that would that would give me uh, some better options. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, I think for Derek and I, you know, we we we're doing what we do, right? So we'll just if poker when when poker comes back, we're going to be thrilled. But I don't think we're changing much of our our life plans um, because we just play whatever's available. Yeah, yeah, I've started playing a little bit of cash too in in some of the underground games here. Um, just one three basically, but it's a, it, like like Ween said, it is a, it's like a new challenge and it's actually been kind of fun to learn a new game. I, I used to play there like once every couple of weeks just to get out of the house because I don't get out of the house much. Um, but now going out and doing it three nights a week, like I actually I can actually feel my cash game getting much much better. What so, is uh what's the rake like in those underground games? Uh, it's like $6 cap or something. I guess that doesn't seem too bad. The rake and the couple of the 1-2 games that run here are, are like, atrocious. Really? Yeah, I think it's 10% with a $6 cap. That's basically what it is at the at the casinos here. So oh. It's a five, it's like, uh, Harrah's is $5 rake, uh, 10% on the pot up to up to five dollars, and then take a dollar for the bad beat jackpot, which is like the biggest joke ever. Yeah. Um, so six dollars, basically every hand that gets raised pre. Yeah, the hardest part about it is that you cut, you you have to be in there for the long haul because at least at the game I play at, you get you get the drunk guys who roll in about two three a.m. and sit down with a couple hundred bucks to spew off, 
and you just have to be willing to stay there till five or six a.m. because that's how long they'll keep rebuying. So yeah, it makes for long nights. It's not like online where you can kind of play and then just like oh, I feel like I feel like stopping now. It's almost like playing tournaments again where you're kind of like you're locked in. When you start a session, you're locked in. Yeah, I mean, if I, you want to make if you want to make good money, I mean, you can obviously get up anytime you want. But I did a session yesterday where. The game, I actually got up because I didn't think I was a favorite in the game. Like, by three in the, by three in the morning, it was just a really tough game. Yeah. I just cut my losses. I was like, all right, I'm down, you know. Uh, it's a 1K, it's a 1K, the 2.5 is a 1K max. Um, and I was down like 400 bucks or whatever, and I thought the game, like the hour before, it was pretty good, but it became clear to me that like, it just wasn't that good of a game, and I just decided to leave being stuck. It just is what it is. Yeah. It's one one, th- one thing about this post-Black Friday period, post-Black Friday period is I think a lot of people are going to learn a bunch of different skills that they didn't necessarily feel like they needed to learn before. You know, game selection and bankroll management, you know, different bankroll management parameters than there used to be, and... Um, how to play cash or how to, you know, how to, how to play live versus online. So it's, it's certainly not a good situation, but I think there's some learning opportunities there for, for anybody who was just strictly playing online tournaments a month yeah. ago. Well, let's talk about some of those online tournaments. Um, uh, you know, we, I, ca- I gather a couple of hands from, uh, been playing at Merge. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the structures, um, cause they're, they're definitely different than what we're used to with stars, and, and, it, and it's affecting the play. And as a matter of fact, all the hands I picked are hands where I have under 10 big blinds because I'm finding myself with under 10 big blinds way more often than I did on stars and full tilt. And a lot of that, what I'm observing is, you know, I have 22, 23, 24 big blinds, and I'm at I'm like one of the bigger stacks at the table. And then if you lose a flip to someone with, like, 12 big blinds, then all of a sudden you have eight big blinds or seven big blinds. And that's happening way more often, I guess, just because of the structures. Um, so I, I gathered a couple of hands where I'm under 10 big blinds and I faced decisions where I was a little confused. Um, but the first thing I want to talk about is to talk about those structures. So let's start with you, Charlie. You've, you've, you've been playing on, on Merge a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've noticed that, the blind levels would go from like 10 to 12 minutes mostly. And I'm just pulled up like the 2K $11 freeze out that happens at, you know, 6, 8 p.m. Eastern time or, or some, something like that. Um, you know, have you, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on the levels? Have, have you had to make any adjustments? What are you noticing? You know, when are you getting to, you know, shove mode, resteal mode? Is there anything that you've noticed so far from your play? Um, just, I, I would, I feel the same way you do. I mean, the, the structures, they just move way quicker than, right. than we're used to in like, um, non-turbo tournaments, um, okay. on stars and full tilt where, um, you know, they had gotten to a point where tournament players had become, um, and there had, you know, we, we had grown to a fairly big community of these regular tournament players who were very vocal about what we wanted in terms of structures. Um, and that was all pretty much focused on the three sites that got shut down. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, those, those voices weren't really heard by um, Mer- the Merge Network or Cake Poker. 
Yeah, I mean, we're we're not even really starting with three. Although Cake is Cake, I will say Cake is a little better because Lee Lee Jones was there for a little while. Yeah, and they they have a they have a handful of I think some pretty well decently structured tournaments. But they they probably like, they probably have the best structured tournaments. You know, I, I would agree with that. But they get like fourteen runners is the problem. They have the money. Yeah, they, they have the smallest yeah, they, traffic. Yeah. Although they still have they still have some some bigish Sunday. They have a couple. Decent Sunday tournaments. Merge has one decent Sunday tournament. Um, it's like a 50k guarantee that gets almost 20k for first. Um, and I, I saw I saw they just raised the guarantee on that to 100k for this coming weekend. I think that's all, that's great. Yeah. yeah, so that's a good sign. I think Boat Dog has the worst structures of them all. Um, I know you you guys don't play on Boat Dog, but it's a they usually start with 1500 in chips, which once again makes you feel like it's 2006 again. Um, you know, you get 1,500 yeah. chips. Um, let me see if I can pull up the levels here. And their software is really kind of clunky trying to pull up the, the blind levels. It works sometimes. It doesn't work other times. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't pull it up. But, um, but you know, it, you start with 1,500 chips and even the non-turbos, you know, it changes the way you have to play because you can't, you know, you can't open as much. You can't, you know, you have to really, it's hard to open hands that, that you're not, you know, once once you get to twenty five fifty or even you know fifty a hundred, now you're playing with fifteen big blinds pre ante. Right. So I find that a little weird, a little bit of an adjustment. Um, fortunately, I think the play is really bad. Um, I've been I just consistently get it in with ace king versus ace queen or ace ten or something like that. Um, when I have fifteen big blinds left, uh, people are just not you know opening appropriately or, or calling shoves appropriately, which is the best thing I think I've seen there. Um, they're calling much lighter than they should be, uh, but the structures themselves are so. I, so that's the first thing for everyone listening. Um, strategically, you're going to find yourself uh, in much shallower situations, less starting stacks for the most part, um, and much faster blind levels. So you got to get used to that and adjust appropriately. I'd like yeah. to go on a ween gen for a second. <laughs> okay, we love ween gens. <laughs> um, so basically. These tournaments, like you were saying, it's so funny how you're saying it's like going to 2006 again. Because I remember when tournaments first started on Stars in like 2003, 2004, and there'd be, you know, everyone would start with 1500 chips. They'd be missing blind levels, and these cash game players would get so mad <laughs> because they're not getting any of the publicity. And they thought they were so superior because they know how to play 100 big blinds deep. Right. And in these tournaments, you know, you were basically hovering between 10 and 20 big blinds for the duration. So the people that won them, you know, weren't supposedly a true attest of skill. I think it's a different skill set than cash. But, you know, that is what it is. But then over the years, uh, tournament structures got so good in the beginning that the difference between cash game players and tournament players, like in terms of skill set and playing deep stack, diminished greatly where we were yeah. almost on an even playing field. Um, That's really interesting. Because we were all playing, you know, we were playing these 10K Bellagio events, uh, 15K Bellagio events, 10K World Series events, where you start with 30,000 in chips at 5,100. That's 300 big blinds. And all of us adjusted, all these WCOOP events, all these scoop events where you're starting and playing 500, 600 big blinds deep, we all learned how to adjust. Right. Um, So, like, I was listening to a podcast on Poker Road the other day, and it was cash plays, 
and there was some guy, I had no idea who he, who he was, but he's like, tournament players, you know, that are going to be playing cash games, they're just not as good. And I'm like, I'm thinking in my head, do you not realize over the past three years that where we figured out how to play deep stack poker? Right, right. Like, That's a great point, Wayne, because I, I feel – I felt that way. Like when I would sit down to play cash in 2006, 2007, I really felt like completely out of place. Like what the – what the what do I do? I could I could fold to a four – like I don't know. It just felt weird. Like I didn't know what to do with my stack. It just felt like I was getting myself in bad situations because I was way too deep stacked for what I was doing. But today I sit down and I'm like, all right, I, I you know, I, I, I felt much more comfortable – playing with 100 to 200 big blinds because you've just done it so much more to your point it's a great point yeah you, yeah we we all have experience with it we all you know have ideas of what, and conversely this is what pissed me off the guy's like uh i mean i don't know who he was whatever uh i'm probably picking a fight i don't care um, <laughs> but he's like yeah you know i think i'm gonna be playing a lot of tournaments now uh, and put up my live scene, and I'm like, do you know how to push fold, like, right. 15 big blinds optimally? Like, you're the one stepping into my domain. <laughs> right. You're absolutely like, right. Like, it, you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, I understand that cash is a different game than what I'm used to and that, you know, I need to make adjustments, but I do have an idea of what I'm doing and the difference in skill set between the two uh, in 2006 to now has, like, diminished significantly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not to say that somebody who's been playing cash for five years isn't somewhat better than somebody who's been playing tournament for five years at deep stack poker. But it's you're just you're just saying that there's not this huge chasm between the two where you're completely incapable of playing 400 big blinds. Right. In 2006, you know, when you're playing online, you have 20 big blinds. You got it in with Ace King always, but yeah. people were also getting it in with like 300 big blinds with Ace King right. because they just hadn't adjusted. But that doesn't happen anymore. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like we know how to play very, we know how to play different streets. We know how to like mix up our games. We aren't scared when the turn card brings a flush. Right. Like, <laughs> just, Wait, we're not. The whole argument on like who's better after tournaments or whatever, like it's just a different skill set. But the skill sets, um, just based on how the structures have changed, have just uh, they're just not as as vast as they once were. Right. Yeah, good point. Love that point. It's great. And I think to that point, like when you're talking about the, the bad structures that exist now in these U.S. facing sites, um, you know, tournament regulars are going to have, I think, the, the variance is going to be higher because um, stacks are shorter. You're going to have to get all in more often. But I think your edge uh, in the long run is going to be bigger. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you start out like our edge when playing – pre-ante and if we're tournament players is like not as high as it is as our ability to push call to like push fold and call correctly we have been doing that for tens of thousands of tournaments yep i find myself you know i i play i'm not playing every night i'm playing like two three nights a week and i'm loading up between four and six tournaments, so it's definitely not the volume, and and the variance is much higher. Your kids must be so confused. <laughs> like, who is this guy? <laughs> Wait, this is the mythical dad creature we've seen on TV. <laughs> I think my wife is more confused. Like I, I used to play after after the kids go to bed. Now I'm now I'm now I'm on the sofa. I, I'm actually watching awful things like American Idol. So I want my poker back, please. 
um, but like I've noticed that I mean, they're just so soft. I, I find myself at like the final two tables, like every other tournament, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not exa- I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like you know, the fields aren't big, right? So it's usually like right. The fields are smaller. Fields are smaller, so it's like 250 people, but like. I find myself at the final two tables or three tables all the time. The problem is I got 20 big blinds every time, and no one has anything bigger. We got, like, 25 big blinds. Maybe someone has 40, um, but most people have, like, eight or nine, and it's, beca- you know, it's, it's giant shove fest. And I, and, I'm, and, I, and I think I'm doing it properly, but the variance is so high on that, and you'll see from some of the hands that we talk about, that it's just, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's easier but that variance is just much higher based on on the short stacks. You just got to use it, and and unfortunately, we can't spread twenty t- tables. So you just it's going to take longer for the good players to get to the long run. Yeah, um, and you know, but but you're also playing you know five ten dollar twenty dollar tournaments. You're not playing you're not dropping two thousand dollars in buyings every night. So just an interesting dynamic. If it does feel like two thousand six all over again, and you know, let's see what develops. Yeah. Cool. So, um, I have a couple of short stack hands because I just found myself in some slightly uncomfortable spots that seemed easier back in the day, um, a month ago. Um, so, if you guys don't mind pulling up the hands, uh, for those of you who are listening, as always, we've posted some hands on the um, to uh, the the TPE website, um, tournamentpokerage.com/slash/podcast. Uh, Freudian slip on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I was just down. I was there all day, all all morning following this AGA thing. So I've been focusing on that. Wait, uh, can we? I don't even know if this should be a part of the podcast. Has Full Tilt said anything? Full Tilt has said that they would make an announcement the week of the fifteenth. Because I saw on Twitter that guy Kev Math was like Full Tilt expected to make an announcement in the next couple hours. Then I went to sleep and woke up and didn't see anything. Yeah, they last their last communication was the week of the fifteenth. So if there's anything that's happened since then, I haven't seen it. Uh, oh my, that's the one spot where I have money on. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen any updates of of any substantial level from them either. Fair enough. Unfortunately. All right, so I, I have a couple hands here um, where I'm short stacked. You know, this 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 podcast has been mostly about. Black Friday and, and 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 moving forward, but I, we do want to keep some strategy um, in line. And I, and I came across some short stack spots that I want to talk about. So, um, if you guys look at hand one, these are all from the Merge Network. Um, hand one, I have Queen Jack in middle position, and here I am with 5.7 big blinds. So once again, I don't can't remember the last time I found myself with you know this short of, of, <laughs> of, of, of a stack. Um, you know, I lost a flip here, I think, uh, to someone. I had probably like 25 big blinds, and I and I lost a, a flip, or maybe I had 18 big blinds. I don't I don't remember. But um, we are in middle position with queen jack off, and a we have a limper. Um, so normally, if it's folded to me here, first of all, if it's folded here to you, I assume we're just shoving queen jack. Yeah. That's we're gonna see. Yeah. Yeah. Right, sure. sure. Right. Just clear that out of the way. But now we get a limp from this guy. Um, what position is he in? He's under the gun plus two, and he has 15 big blinds, and he limps. But now here's the thing. There's so many bad limpers on merch. I mean, man, you're not kidding. What's up there? What's that there? I said, I said, man, you're not kidding. No. I mean, there's just so many bad limpers on merch, and then they fold you know, just inappropriately. So this guy limps. I have 5.7 big blinds. Um, I have queen jack. 
what are we doing here? Are we just going to go with it, or do we do we fold? Or I mean, can we fold? Can we afford to fold? Are we going to see something better? I would I would fold unless I unless I had a pretty solid read that he was capable of loop folding to a stack like ours. Okay. Do you agree, Wade? Yeah, I am on the Hagbard train on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think I would shove that with more chips on merge because I kind of hate that more chips. I kind of hate making a shove like this where in general I would not shove. Like I don't want to count on somebody making a big mistake unless I have a good reason to believe that they will. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the that's the crucial I think the crucial part here is that we're counting on him making a big mistake. I think you're I think you're right. Um but what is he limping with? I mean, is he is he slow? Like we, do we think he limps queen king and calls? I mean, I don't. I really it's hard to, it's hard to say cuz like you said there's a pretty wide variety of of you know kinds of limpers. Right. Yeah. What uh, what's the buy-in for this tournament? Do you know? Um it seems um, like it's a 33, maybe, if I remember right. Uh, this is actually, I'll tell you one second. No, it's not a 33. I think it's a, it's a, oh, it is a 33. You're right. Sorry. It is. It's okay. a $33 tournament. Freeze out. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you might have a little bit more competent players at this level, too. I mean, I think, like I said, if you have more big blinds, you might have more options for what to do here, but I just, I don't think he's going to fold very often. All right. I just find it, he's, I don't think he's doing this with ace, uh, ace queen. Um, maybe with king queen. Maybe with Queen Ten or probably it's not. Hard to, it's hard to hard to say though because you have you have people who who play us like a you know like a twenty three style where they're they're limping everything that they want to play with the exception of like really strong hands. Right. Um, and then you have people who who are like. Mm. Sorry. Whoa! <laughs> I thought I thought you were being abducted by aliens. Yeah. Uh, I, I, well, I was. I have an appointment with. <laughs> Aliens. I literally pictured like a beam over your head pulling. (laughs) I thought the crickets were back. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, uh, I think you guys hit it dead on. Um, I I shoved, um, and he had Queen King, and he called, um, and I hit a flush. So, (laughs) (laughs) donk. (laughs) That's the way to to do it, right? Um, Lucky than good. Exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, next hand. Um, back to the Merge Network. Um, this is a $11 uh, turbo freeze-out. Um, you can look at the table here. Everyone is between, for the most part, 10 to 20 big blinds, except we got one guy with 37 big blinds. And this is like the common situation in Merge. Would you agree, Charlie? Look at, the, look at those stacks. I feel like yeah. it's always like when you get to the, the ante-level. Yeah, exactly. It's just look at you're just flipping it, and, you know, definitely we, we should have edges here. So um, this guy uh, with the actual he's, – he's three X's. Um, it's the actual the guy who with the big stack. He's an MP1. Um, he has 37 big blinds, um, and he full three X's, which I don't read anything into that because I don't know if they know enough yet to go 2.2 or whatever. Um, and he makes a 750 to go at – 125, 250, and it's folded to me in the big blind with king-queen, and I have 11 big blinds, um, and it's king-queen suited. I assume we're just going to jam here, right? You, we don't care, you know, do we, well, I'll leave it to you guys to, to answer that. 
You go first, Charlie. Let's see if okay. I'm on the train. <laughs> did, you say, did you first ask if it was folded to you? Uh, well, if it was folded to me, I'm just, I mean, 11 big blinds in, the, in, in, well, it can't be folded to me because I'm in the big blind. Oh, you're the big You get a walk. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would fold, I would fold here because, um, I just, I'm not sure that we have any fold equity. He has a big stack, um, and you only have 11 big blinds. Um, so I don't really see him going to full 3x and then folding. All right. That's why I put the hand up. Because it is a full three X. I mean, no, we can't really read. And we're, t- we're ten handed, and he's relatively early position, right? Well, early middle position, I guess. And he has a big stack, so he, he's not. He can call me. I mean, you know. Yeah. And again, still be in pretty good shape. Right. What about you? Yeah, I don't think you're. I mean, I don't think you're ahead of his range, and you're not getting any. You don't. You have very very minimal fold equity, so. Um, you know, I'd rather just wait. For a spot where I can jam. Okay. Oh, I jammed and he had ace jack. So, I hand up. Well, that's not why, but that that's you guys. Oh, and you hit a flush, right? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I was not able to magically um, make my will happen here. Um, okay, so cool. Um, and then one more hand. Um, this is a slightly different spot. Um, here we are. Um, this is a $20 rebuy. On merge, um, we're post rebuy period because we're at two fifty five hundred. Um, we are in the button. We are on the button. Um, we have nine point four k, so we have about eighteen, about nineteen big blinds, um, and we have an under the gun six max, right? So under the gun with twenty big blinds, min raising to a thousand. No read on the guy, um, and we have twenty big blinds on the button with king queen off. Hi Jim. Uh, I think you have fold equity in the hand. If you do get called, uh, King Queen usually plays pretty well against the calling range. You're in a six max, so he could be opening real late, and his calling range should be pretty tight. Uh, he's probably opening, you know, 25% of hands, 30% of hands, and he's calling like 7% of hands. So it's definitely going to be profitable from a from a chippy uh, perspective and. Uh, you know, it's good for your tournament EV as well, so. Charlie, what do you think? I agree, 100%. Um, yeah, it's six max, like you said, so it's, yes, he's under the gun, but it's, it doesn't mean nearly as much when you're, when you're playing six-handed. Um, he's been raising, so probably shows that he, um, has a, has a clue. Um, yeah. So he can that act was one of the things that really tipped me off. That's a really astute observation is that he min-raised. So, you know, at this point on Merge, you could still kind of get information um, from people on, on how they open. Um, there's much more information to be had because there are people, there are wider variances in opening sizes. Um, right. yeah. And that's one of them. Um, so uh, I did, I, I shoved, um, and actually he called with clean 10. He called 20 big blind shove with clean 10. Uh, it's a value jam. Yeah, it was a value jam, and, and it held. So, so yeah, that was a situation where I, I you know, wanted to get your thoughts on on, on that. It felt like uh, felt like the old days, actually. The <laughs> um, yeah, you know, someone two xing right with the. With, with, yeah, that's another. <laughs> yeah, you see people like getting it in with like ace nine and ace ten, which yeah. I mean, it used to just be a it used to just be a dream back in the day. Yep. You know, yeah. people just getting in with ace rag. And, it's uh, boggling my mind. Uh, the proper calling frequencies. 
Yeah. Uh, they're just not calling appropriate at all. It's been lovely, and that's where we're making our money, I think, right now. Yeah, two things I would suggest if you're going to delve into the merge network is get your, uh, you know, your, your shoving and calling ranges down, your push-fold game, and also take a lot of notes because you're running a lot of the same players yep. because it's such a small player base. Yep. So just really, yeah, really pay attention and, and take notes, and um, especially because you're not playing as many tables, it should be easier to do that. So I agree, and and, and you should um, go to the, go to our site. We did a I did a free video on. You know, just the networks in general and setting up your tables and the software and the game selection. Um, so you can set it up where I, I think Merch, of the remaining sites, uh, I think Merch has the best software. And if you tweak it properly, um, it's definitely conducive to multi-tabling and people who are used to uh, playing on the bigger sites. Um, it's not the same. It's not as good. But, you know, you could use your HUD um, if you use one. And you can sort of set it up so that the cards are big. you got four-colored decks, etc. So, yeah. So cool. So we want to get a little strategy in there. It's just something I noticed from playing there for a couple of weeks now, the shallowness of the, of the tournaments, and just kind of cover some short stack play. So, um, so I think that's uh, those are the hands I brought here today, guys. Well, we will uh, we'll take a quick break here, but I do want to say thanks to Charlie and Ween for stopping in. As always, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. Cool. So, like I said, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back here on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. This is Killingbird from TournamentPokerEdge.com, here to tell you about our exclusive rakeback program. Tournament Poker Edge offers up to 40% rakeback on sites such as Full Tilt Poker, Absolute Poker, Ultimate Bet, and Cake Poker. If you're playing online and not getting rakeback, you are just giving money away. So visit rakeback.tournamentpokeredge.com and sign up for the Tournament Poker Edge rakeback program and start getting paid to play today. Welcome back once again to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. As always, want to thank our pros for stopping in, Charles Sizemore, Jonathan Ween. Always nice to have those guys come in, and uh, I guess especially now to get their thoughts on where things stand with uh, with online poker and Black Friday and everything else. So nice to hear from them. Yeah, it's always interesting to you know take their perspective, which is different than ours, because you know we play we don't play for a living. Um, right. So hearing the different stories. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's uh, like I, I just know that it's been really tough for me not to be able to play as much. And I know we've talked about it, so I know you're kind of in the same boat. So yeah. you, you can only imagine if it was your if it was your sole source of income. Yeah. I can't really fathom having to to deal with the stress of that. Right. So. Right. Well, hopefully, uh, the pro, you know the positive signs we talked about earlier this week become gain momentum. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as you said, the legal landscape looks to be shaping up. You know, maybe better than we thought it would two weeks ago. So. Yep. Still a long way to go, though. Yes, definitely. Um, so in the meantime, obviously we'll just keep uh, we'll keep playing on some of these smaller sites, which obviously we talked about some of the differences with those, uh, and a big one being the structures and how things, especially late in the tournaments, change. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I mean, we didn't go. We you know we spent most of the time because of what happened on Black Friday talking about Black Friday, but um, you know I, I I definitely noticed the the difference here um, in these structures and the stack sizes. And and like I said, all of a sudden I find myself you know losing a flip and having eight big blinds. And since everyone has you know pretty much between ten and twenty most of the time, that's going to happen a lot more. And right. What do I do with What do I do with five big blinds here? And it's you know it's a, it's a serious consideration because you know your tournament life is your tournament life. So five big blinds, you you know you're going to get called so much. Um, you know you have very little fold equity that you really have to think about you know the equity and and the calling ranges behind. But then it gets all confused because you, the calling ranges are different on on the merge network and Bowdog and, and Cake because they're not as sophisticated players as Full Tilt and Poker Star. So um, I think the equilibrium is still being worked towards where right. people start to, you know, where your own perception of the equilibrium or whatever um, is being worked out right now. Uh, yeah. But the room for a lot of mistakes uh, for people, people to be made to take advantage of. So, Yeah, I do think that, um, you know, obviously deeper stacks would, would give – a little bit better of an advantage to, to better players, which I like to think our listeners probably are. Yeah. Um, but I think if you have your, uh, you know, your push full game down pretty well, you're still gonna you're still gonna dominate a lot of these yeah. late games. I actually think you know I think I think the EV for good players is probably higher here because I think the the, the range between play is, is worse on these sites. But I think as Ween said, the variance is just higher. So you're going to have a wider band. So a good player where on full tilt or in poker stars, you know, 20 to 40 percent ROI is pretty good at this this point. Um, you know, obviously the best players have a lot higher, but doing you know running an ROI around that range is, is pretty pretty good for a, a high you know a pro- profitable mid stakes. Whereas on merge, you know, your ROI is probably for a good player that 20 to 40 percent player is probably going to be about you know. 50 to 75 and and i'm just pulling numbers out of my head you know this is just sort of guesstimating but but with that range of 77 50 to 75 percent roi you're going to have a, a band of variance that's much wider where you know that 20 to 40 percent player on full tilt or poker stars maybe loses money across the course of the year maybe you know 12 percent of the time mm-hmm. you know they'll probably lose you know probably lose money you know, twenty twenty percent of the time on merger or or, or or road dog or cake, just because the variance is much higher. Right. So, and the game selection smaller, et cetera, all those things that make variance higher, but profit higher. Yeah. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to um, to our members starting to post more hands from these sites in the strategy forums and stuff, just to see what they're experiencing and yeah. and what kind of play they're running into. And I, I'm I'm sure that a lot of people are going to find the same thing we've found but uh, it'll still be interesting it's kind of like kind of like a new world out yeah, there. yeah so. i mean it does feel like i said it does feel a lot like 2006 i got a couple hundred bucks on each site um the selection is not great there's no synchronized breaks on bodog you know right bathroom <laughs> <laughs> breaks again um 
you know, hopefully it, it re- ramps up back back more. Um, are you thinking of playing that? Um, I know the Merge Network has a hundred k, a hundred and nine dollar tournament on Sunday. Are you thinking of playing that? I, I think that I'll I might take some shots at it down the road, but not yet. I still want to, you know. Like we talked about, none of us have deposited a whole ton of money on any of these sites. I still want to build the bankroll up a little bit more. Um, I just don't know if I'm ready for that kind of variance yet. I'm way more um, DJ than you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the nice thing is – You're like, yeah, you are. That's <laughs> it, definitely true. And, and both of us have said that we're willing to, to redeposit if, if need be. So it's not like the bankroll that we have on there is is the end of our of our online poker cash. But um, I don't know. I've, I've kind of enjoyed the challenge of trying to build this up and, and – yeah rework my game a little bit and also just play really close attention to bankroll management. So I'm, I'm almost enjoying that's become the challenge as opposed to, you know, cause you're playing like $2 and $11 tournaments and stuff. Right. So the challenge has become more about building the bankroll and less about winning individual tournaments. So I'm, yeah. I'm just enjoying that for now. Yeah. I, I, I could appreciate that. And, but I, I, <laughs> I I still want to play it. Uh, yeah, well, the value is going to be great. It's going to be great. I, I'm not playing it because I have to I have a, a work trip um, next week that I have to go on, and I have just too much stuff to do Sunday. But I would probably play it if I could. Yeah. I miss 100K tournaments. <laughs> right. I, like, looked at it. I was like, oh, my God. It, was like, you know, it kind of feels like uh, like the old days, even though you know, a 100K guarantee on, on, on stars at 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. on a, on a Sunday would get like 400K. But... Right. Well, when I'm sitting in Vegas this summer with all the other TPE pros in our house and they're all grinding a Sunday, I might not be able to resist it then. So we'll see what happens. Um, You're probably swapping percentages and stuff anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe sell pizzas. (laughs) Yeah, whatever it takes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Cool. So uh, I guess we should talk a little bit about what's going on on Tournament Poker Edge. And I know we've kind of talked a little bit about the direction we're going to be heading, but maybe get into some specifics. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of talked about it. Um, You know, this week we got the PLO videos um, starting back up. we got some lock slash, uh, well, merge slash Bodog. I'm sorry, merge slash cake from Hagbard coming out. He talked about. Um, we have the reverse stick it to the man coming out soon. Do you want to talk uh-huh. about that? Yeah, we haven't. I don't think we've. Uh, I don't think we've mentioned that to anybody yet. So no, why don't you? So. Since you've participated in it. So. Yeah, it was. It was really fun. It was actually. Uh, it was John Ween's um, 750k run on full tilt, and uh, which he final tabled. And so basically, you know, like the name alludes to, it was sort of a reverse stick it to the man where I got to watch him review uh, his hand history and sort of question his plays and and ask him what he was thinking here or there. Um, And it's not really – it's not quite a stick it to the man because it's not like I was ripping on him, which – because I don't don't really feel qualified to do that. But it was – but it was – I think it was good for both of us just to have me sort of – commenting and questioning his plays and, you know, why would he do this or why would he do that? Um, so I think it's pretty interesting and maybe something we'll, we'll toy with a little more in the future. Yeah, I'm definitely, um, definitely interested in that. And you know what I also want to address? I think there's such a divide between loving and hating Stick It to the Man series. So oh, for those, yeah. of, you, those yeah. of you who are listening to this that aren't familiar, we have a series called Stick It to the Man where um, Derek or I will record a session and we'll, um, you know, we'll we'll basically play as if we were making our own video, and then we give it over to the pros, and they comment, um, and that's better than a hand history because you can hear our thought process as we go along, um, and you know, 
it's it's instructional, but we also have some pretty funny pros. <laughs> yeah, you know, not for nothing. Um, the guys are pretty funny, so they it's a, they rip on us, which I don't really care. It's, it's it doesn't really bother me. I actually have gotten so much better from from this uh, from from this this series. Just you know, like I mean, you know, it's easy to hide the hands that you play really bad, like you know. To, you know, it's just kind of easy to do that if you wanted to, and, and it's really hard to hide the really gross mistakes you make. Um, right. Made an Ace King mistake we talked about. I think one recently, previously. You know, you made a real bad mistake there, and you got ripped for it. And you know, the thing is, we all love each other. I mean, quite honestly, we're a really close group of 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 of, of uh, you know friends and as well as business partners here. So it's not personal, and, and it's all fine. But some people just really. You know, don't like that we there's humor involved there, and some people love it. So, yeah, you know. yeah, and I and I can definitely understand where you know maybe somebody who's new to the site or hasn't watched a ton of videos, and they watch one of those, and they go, God, yeah, man, these guys are being hard on this guy, <laughs> you know. But uh, it's definitely meant to be sort of yeah, I don't know, seventy five percent instructional, twenty five percent entertainment, or yeah. some breakdown along those lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you, I mean, I, I've it's been incredibly helpful for me and. Even just little things, like I know in my first ticket to the man, like, you know, I got, I got ripped for checking the lobby too much, so I've stopped that. <laughs> and then my, you know, my, and the most recent one, one of the big things is that I, I just, I tend to just ride those radio buttons too much, you know, where it's like, right. um, I might be in the cutoff or something and I, I'll just hit fold before it's even, before under the gun is even acted. Yeah. Um, so I've eliminated that bad habit from my yeah. repertoire. Yeah. That, that's, um, it's the things that you don't even know that, you do that, you know, maybe they're not even questionable to you, which make the greatest difference in your game, the biggest leaks, I think. Right. Yeah. Cause you might realize like, Oh, you know, my post flop play is not real good. Or I got some, I don't know, some bet sizing leaks or whatever. I think those are things you might actually know about yourself, but right. then there's those little things. And they're the things that people tend to make the most fun of, like right. those become the, the riding jokes, right. you know, the lo- lobby. Checking. Well, when, <laughs> when big dog is horrified by a play, <laughs> it really right. makes you notice. And I'll tell you, um, you know this tough love sort of criticism that we get in Stick It to the Man. Um, I way back before TPE was a thought, before I way before I knew you, before I was even a profitable player, um, I was getting some coaching um, from a, a very good pro, and um, we talked about um, how to play over pairs um, uh, on on the flop um, when the flop comes, you know, uh, under cards. I'm sorry, how to play uh, big pair. Uh, pre-flop when an overcard hits the flop. Sorry, that, that's what it was. So I had queens. Right. We, you know, we talked about hands like where you have queens and a king hits the flop um, mm-hmm. and you're deep stacked. And um, and we talked about, you know, you know, pot control, you know, trying to get the show down, you know, just, you know, generally not blowing the pot, especially if you're out of position, et cetera. Um, right. And we finished the lesson and then I played um, a tournament. Uh, was was back when Full Tilt's Sunday major was 500k and i actually got backed for it by this pro um and i remember the same you know exact hand just like this happening and me sending him the hand history and asking you know i was, I was kind of you know lost on this hand and it was exactly what we covered in a lesson a day ago and i completely botched it <laughs> and he wasn't a jerk or anything but he was like dude he was like we just covered this yeah. This is the hand. This is exactly the concept we just went over, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's right!" Like, like I should have 
completely not botched that because we had covered it. And like, and this guy was backing me for this tournament, right? So I was really embarrassed. Yeah. So that really stuck in my head, just the concept of pot control and showdown value from that point on because I was embarrassed, right? Right. And I, right. I really don't make that mistake ever, you know, ever again. So, you know, I mean, that's with qualification there. You know, obviously make mistakes, but I really got that concept because of that mistake. So anyway, you know. It, don't yeah. worry about us. We're fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I think the point is that, you know, some people love it. Some people hate it. We're, we're not telling you you have to love it. If you don't like them, just, you know, skip on to the next video. But uh, but there is some good stuff in there. So make sure, you know, it, right. it, if you can if you can put up with the, the braiding that we take, yeah. uh, watch the videos and get some out of it because there's, there's a lot of good info there. Absolutely. Um, I also want to say good luck to all the TPEers who can play Scoop and are playing right now. Yes. Um Sometimes I forget it's even happening. I know, I know, I know. It sucks. Um, I know one of our members, Celos, um, P S E L L O S. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce that. I think it's, I think it would say Celos. Um, he he finished fifth in Scoop Event 15, uh, 15 low, the 1650 uh, second chance for 10k. Oh wow, that's and awesome. He posted um, on the site, you know, thanks to TPE. So just wanted to give him a shout out and congratulations on that. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, obviously the World Series is coming up, uh, I guess, a little over two weeks from when we're recording this. So, um, you know, to anybody who's heading out for that, good luck. Yeah. And, and make sure and keep us informed. Post on the site, you know, tweet, whatever you got to do. But let us know how you're all doing out in Vegas, and we'll obviously do the same. Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you guys. Hit us up. We'll all hang out. We'll all be out at various points. We want to hang out with you guys. Yep. Don't be strangers. So, cool. Well, uh, I guess we should probably wrap it up. Yep. Um, another podcast in the books. So, thanks again to the pros. And uh, that's it for the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Take care, everybody. Good luck. Start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart.